My name is Alan Cohen. Again, I'm an active duty military officer with 19 years of service, the rank of lieutenant colonel. As a disclaimer, everything I say is my own opinion. So I will be speaking, however, on U.S. military policy through a biblical lens. As was mentioned earlier, my topic will be the gospel at war with the military. I know this might be controversial, might make people uncomfortable. In fact, it might make some people uh, certainly upset. But when I say the gospel at war with the military, I'm not talking about a kinetic war. I'm talking about a spiritual war. This is a war over authority. Who determines right and wrong? Who determines good and evil? Who sets the standard and who do we ultimately listen to? In the end, both God and the military both demand our obedience. And I have a scripture up there to cage the discussion. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will despise, or you be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This is the framework in which I will speak. In, within the military, some people openly hate Jesus Christ. The vast majority will hide their beliefs about him, and very few people will openly proclaim the law of God as well as his commandments for us. And this is exactly what I aim to do here as a Christian serving in the military. Just for context, I might use, I might, um, go between the terms U.S. military and Department of Defense. It is America's largest government agency, executes over $800 billion annually, employs 300 million, or 3.5 million people, and operates in just under 5,000 sites around 160 countries in the world. It is also one of America's most highly respected institutions, so a very formidable entity no matter how you look at it. However, if anyone tries to tell you that the military is apolitical or nonpartisan, they're lying. The military is very involved in pushing political agendas, although we do so discreetly. In fact, in school, many of us learn uh, from a, a former, or sorry, a longtime um, Prussian general by the name of Karl von Clausewitz, who said that war is a mere continuation of policy by other means. And indeed, our culture, our politics, our laws, our values, all reflect in our military. So this is something to keep in mind. What you should also keep in mind is that the military desires conformity, and we have good reason to do so. We must orient individuals towards a common goal to achieve specific objectives. Christians within the military often desire peace and stability. We are taught not to speak on things that are controversial, not to rock the boat, uh, just go along to get along. And the combination of these factors, the institutional desire for conformity and the Christian desire for peace and stability, create the conditions in which the U.S. military directly contends with the law of God. And we'll go through a couple of these battlefronts to examine exactly what I'm talking about. On the next slide, 
going through these subjects. Again, I have many of these things to discuss. However, we'll step through one at a time, look at the biblical lens on an issue, and then compare that with how the U.S. military or the Department of Defense approaches it. So let's talk first on unity and diversity. We know that the gospel tells us that there is no caste or class system in the kingdom of heaven. That for those who are in, who are in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free. All are one in Christ. And this is true unity, where I can look at my brother or sister as an image bearer of God and not as a member of some arbitrary race group. This is a good thing. By comparison, the military of late has hyper-focused on diversity of skin color. Some people might say, well, we're talking about diversity of thought or experiences. You know they're looking at diversity of skin color because that's what they measure. And senior leaders always measure what they care about. We are not tracking, measuring, or reporting on diversity of thought, diversity of experiences. We don't seek any goals on representation of certain religions within the military. What we focus on is diversity of skin color and gender or sex. The military once promoted equality. It went with slogans like the few, the proud, the Marines, or army strong. Another quote you might hear say often is one team, one fight. Again, these are all nice sounding to vector individuals towards a common unified purpose. But in the end, how we actually see this playing out is quite the opposite. To, now, to where now we are elevating a worldview which stems from very anti-Christian intellectuals from long ago, even to today's authors now by the likes of Kendi and D'Angelo and Hannah Jones and others who have talked about this issue of race. And unfortunately, as a result, what this, what this turns into is actually a dehumanization of one another. When you take an individual human being and you bump them down to any level as just a brother or sister, you've already said, well, I'm in this group and this other person this other group. That's what we are doing to one another now within the military. And it's unfortunate because while we expend great effort looking for white supremacy or extremism around every nook and cranny, we actually ignore much larger issues like the suicide epidemic which is plaguing the military. A recent report showed that it's actually the highest it's been since World War II. And if you compare those who served um, since 9-11, of those, of those members, over 7,000 uh, have been killed as a result of combat. In the same time period with the same demographic, over 30,000 have died by suicide. Why is this happening? It's unclear, because we don't really measure it. We don't really dive into that level of detail. We don't seek to understand why so many military members are killing themselves. But the department can tell you exactly how many more black or Hispanic or female aviators we need, and how much fewer white male aviators we need in order to achieve this goal of representation, again, by, by their own standards. And so this is kind of the comparison, at least on this topic, between, um, between the gospel's version and the military's version. Now let's talk about life. We know that God says, thou shalt not murder. As well, the, God, the gospel teaches us that children are a gift of the Lord. 
Again, God thinks very highly of children and our role in protecting them. The military, by comparison, pays for abortions. It has so for a long time in the cases of incest, rape, life of the mother, they say. But since the Dobbs decision, the military has looked to expand that. Now funding travel for service members who want to kill their preborn children for any reason, but their state laws are too restrictive. So this is the next step, again, between the military and God's commands. Now, <clears throat> um, like any subsidized activity, you're going to get more of it. If you pay for something, it's free. You're going to get more of that activity. And sadly, in this case, it transpires to more killing, intentional killing of preborn children. One senator did stand up, speak out about this abortion policy, and has used a uh, senatorial procedure in order to delay the confirmation of military general officers to make his point. Now the military would say, well, you're impacting readiness. You're making our folks less resilient. As though, or even going so far as to say that if we are not able to kill more of our children, this is a detriment to your national security. Again, think of the logic there. Despite the objections and the, uh, the claims of what this is doing, they will not relent on this expanded abortion policy, even as they say it's impacting national security. Let's, move, let's talk about another subject of morality. The gospel says that sexual immorality is an abomination, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. God's word is very serious. And our obligation as to Christians is to minister to those who are struggling, who are turned away from God and turn them back towards the creator. The military of late has actually entertained sexual deviancy and will even pay for transgender surgeries. Again, in a, a move that flies in the face of God, but also a move that they say is, will help the recruiting issue. So in the picture, you see a couple things there. Uh, the first one is that within the office of our commander-in-chief, you see the pride flag raised to a level of prominence even above our nation's own flag. The other image you see up there is a man that thinks he's a woman, was given the rank of four-star admiral despite having served any time in the military at all. This was done to great fanfare. A lot of news articles saying, hey, look at this, we've got our first four-star transgender individual. And the person that has the role of Assistant Secretary of Health. So I know when you think about a healthy fighting force, that's probably the image that comes to mind. <clears throat> the third image is a, what's known as a digital ambassador. Again, a man dressed as a woman to help our recruiting crisis. If you follow the news, many of the military services have struggled to bring in patriotic individuals to serve their country. Some of the, the services actually missing their target recruitment goals over the past two years, and individuals like that are supposed to help. So if you, a young person who wants to serve your country, I know that's exactly the person you want uh, coming to you. <clears throat> but the result of a lot of this is, again, a, a promotion of this ideology in which it is a rejection of God's law but it's also unhealthy. The military actually does not accept all mental illnesses. If you look at bipolarism, narcissism, <clears throat> many people have been removed for these conditions. The reason is, it's obvious, 
as a military, you want individuals to understand reality and how they fit into said reality. We as Christians want to point people towards the truth. We do not want to just enable dissociative mental disorders. And so, again, just looking on the issue of morality, these are one of many things that's actually crept up, but in the interest of time, we'll move on. Next, we'll talk about reason, basic critical thinking and how we function, how God's given us a brain uh, and, and what to use it for. The, the gospel repeatedly says, do not fear, do not fear. As well, God gave us a spirit, uh, did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And he expects us to use it as such. If you've been paying attention over the last couple of years, the military seems to have driven fear-based compliance and mindlessly following orders. Last year, I spoke extensively about the COVID vaccine mandates. And despite being um, a longtime member of the military, serving on the White House COVID-19 task force, I was labeled as anti-science or conspiracy theorists, this and that. And this happened to thousands of individuals. Since then, the mandates have been lifted. Many of the lawsuits were dismissed, but thousands of individuals continue to suffer. The vaccine injuries, the rise in sudden deaths, even I'm seeing now cancer rates among otherwise healthy young 20-year-olds is starting to skyrocket. But again, we don't talk about that very much because it's uncomfortable. And yet, despite all this evidence that shows that this was a bad decision, that we ought to use our reason when approaching these, these topics, the military seems to want to suppress that. And actually going so far as to claim that the mandates are what brought about the end of the pandemic. And indeed, as those who reject God, those who reject the words of the servants of God, you start to remove them from your institution. So what's left? You have no checks, no boundaries, no safeguards against illogical thought processes and opinions that may run your institution astray. You'll hear more about this later, but this will be a common theme. When you remove the restraints, you remove the law and guidance of God Almighty and start to seek your own path, this is the natural result. <clears throat> I also want to talk about the idea of repentance. It's a very similar, uh, familiar idea for Christians. The gospel says repentance and the remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. As well, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. By comparison, the military seems to suppress, downplay, or ignore mistakes. And I'll use the example of the Afghan, uh, Afghanistan withdrawal a couple years ago. In terms of we have a situation now <clears throat> where billions of dollars of equipment were left, thousands of Americans stranded, millions of Afghan citizens were flung back under the oppressive regime of the Taliban, 13 Americans murdered, as well as 170 Afghan civilians up there. And yet, despite all of this, if you talk to military leaders about that particular incident, they will tell you that this was one of the greatest humanitarian airlift evacuations in U.S. history. So, hooray for us. There's many more topics like this, but in short, I'll just say that this lack of repentance leads to, again, more illogical decision. It leads to unaccountability of leaders. And overall, ungodly ideologies will lead to chaos, pain, 
death, and God's judgments. Godly ideologies will steer you towards sanity, towards truth, towards God's blessings, and towards a better society overall. This is our aim and this is what we seek despite the ongoing battle. Now fortunately, when it comes to the war of authority, we know that Jesus Christ has already won. Book of Matthew records that Jesus said that all authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. This is past tense, it's already happened. And all authority means all authority, some of which has been delegated. Like, I, I know the military is not a church. It's not supposed to be. There's different roles in societies. The church, or church authority and its purpose is the ministry of grace and reconciliation. We ought to bless our neighbors. We ought to care for those, uh, those in our society who are downtrodden. The civil authority, which includes the military in our case, wields the sword to punish evil, to, enfor to enforce justice uh, for its citizens. They have different roles in society, which is understandable. They have different authorities, but both must submit to the ultimate authority, which is God. And despite all of the patriotic, well-meaning individuals who do praiseworthy things on a daily basis, you'd be amazed what some military members do. And yet, without a foundation in truth and morality, the military as an institution will simply be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and politics. It will start to steer off course from God's law and his commands. And as it continues to war with God, if it does not recognize this, then ultimately it will find itself under his footstool alongside all of God's other enemies. And as an exhortation for the Christians within the military, I would just say, be bold. Stand up for truth and righteousness. Just following orders is not an excuse. And neutrality is not an option. I understand it's, it can be scary when the enemies of God threaten to take away your security clearance, take away your pension, take away your medical benefits. But as a servant of God, you know your obligation to the true king, and we ought to act accordingly. That within this war, uh, the words of Jesus Christ are very clear. That for those who are lukewarm, he says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. For salt that is not seasoned, Jesus said that it's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. For a, a branch that is not abiding in the vine, that is not producing fruit, he says those branches are withered, they're cast out, they're thrown in the fire, and they are burned. These are strong words from your Lord Jesus Christ, from our Lord Jesus Christ. He takes neutrality or the issue of neutrality very seriously, as well as the thought of just running from the battle, to hide, to blend in, to conform with society. These are very serious things. If you are a Christian, regardless of where God has placed you, I'm not advocating that Christians can't serve in the military. My father was a, a career military person, so am I. But again, our obligation ultimately is to the king and wherever God has us in this society. That's how we ought to continue to proclaim the truth of God, proclaim the forgiveness and the grace of love of God, no matter the cost. This is the gospel at war with the military. Thank you for your time.